Hey everyone, I am doing the season three finale Q&A episode live here on Instagram and if you are wondering if you missed the memo, um, no, no you did not. (laughs) This is kind of an impulse decision to do. Um, Tonight I was thinking about how I was going to format the show, you know, what I was going to do for this episode since it's really just me answering questions and I thought I just kind of want to do a live um, for multiple reasons. For one, you saw probably if you are a listener and someone who follows along with Instagram that I delayed this episode. There's just been a lot going on and I was having trouble fitting it in, fitting in the editing and I thought I don't want to (laughs) edit. I don't want to edit and if I do a live, I kind of got to wing it like you know, you know, so there's, there's a little bit of that going on. Um, but also I've just been really kind of craving more face-to-face interaction. And granted, this is not exactly face-to-face interaction, but I think there's something about maybe you guys seeing me a little more that I, I kind of want to tap into a little more in upcoming seasons. I don't know if that exactly means having shows that are videoed or not. I'm not sure yet. Um, but there's something about that. There's also, I, I really was thinking to myself as I was as I was debating tonight, do I come downstairs and do a live for this episode? I was thinking, how many times have I listened to a podcast I love? And when I go to the, the website or the Instagram or I see the person talking, there's always this weird dissonance. And I'm like, that that is the face that that voice comes out of? Mm. <laughs> Maybe I'm judgmental, but I'm always a little bit like, that is not what I envisioned. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I think of that. So anyway, you're welcome. Here it is. This is indeed the face that the voice comes out of. So leave your judgments below, please. Um, like in the comments. I'm not saying like leave them behind. I would love to know. <laughs> I had someone earlier. I had multiple multiple people earlier this year commenting on how much younger I look than I think they expected. I think this was more when I was talking about research a little bit more and and some of the uh, faith claims um, of Christianity. So probably a a little between season two and three, I would say. I'm trying to remember. But anyways, and I, I was like, I have never been told younger is a, or I've never, yeah, I've never had that used as almost like an insult. Uh, because I've been uh, on a record label where they're always like, try and look young, <laughs> like as long as you can. We want to we wanna stay current. We want to stay relevant. And it was just definitely an interesting thing to be in the theology realm and have people say, um, you know, you look young and I don't like it. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm in my 30s, so do what you want with that. Anyways, tonight's episode, Q&A episode, I think I can see if people ask questions here even um, on the live. So if you have something that comes to mind and you're watching now, uh, just drop me a comment and hopefully I will get to it. I, I don't do lives a lot and certainly not really interactive lives, so we'll see how that goes. But I've got a whole list of questions that people have asked this week and last week and I'm excited to get into them. Um, they've made me think a lot. So let's do it, guys. So the first one on my list just came in tonight. And it's it was, should we 
take life seriously. And it made me laugh when I read it because it's such a simple question. It's also such a difficult question for me personally at this exact point in my life. You know, I, I am actively in deconstruction and it's a little bit different for me than some because there is this very public side of it that I have been fortunate and, and been, um, the word that comes to mind is blessed, <laughs> but that I've been able to experience that so many in deconstruction don't. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse at times to have a public platform while you are actively in deconstruction. Um, but I can feel a real shift happening in me personally, uh, just this, just in the last few months. And I think that's, that's in part because I've been out of school now for a year and I have not been doing the same kind of research I was. We had a, a season three was just a season full of interviews, you know, hearing people's stories and we are gearing up for another research season, but it's just one of those things where. I've just been sitting and thinking, I feel a real difference in myself of wanting to slow down and wanting to ponder life at a little bit different of a pace and a little bit different of a level, not, not like a less intentional level or a less deep level, but just a different level. And so this question is one I think has subconsciously been there for me for quite a while. Do we take life seriously? Should we take life seriously? And it reminds me of something um, a pastor actually told me, but a pastor I really still deeply respect. Um, and he said, everything matters. Everything matters, but not very much. And I just remember thinking, how interesting. So everything in my life matters. Or maybe it was everything matters, but not as much as you think. And that's something I've been really trying to think about in this season of just there's so many things that I'm really rethinking about God and rethinking about the purpose of my life and what am I doing here and what's, you know, the point of religion, what's the point of um, spirituality and what's the point of things like the Bible and all these questions make me think now as I've been really in the weeds dealing with them for quite a while now um it's just it's just kind of made me think maybe life is a lot simpler than I've believed not easier <laughs> but simpler and and I'm not exactly sure how to, to define purpose or how to define you know a relationship to the divine can we even have that I, I tend to think so still um and I I do tend to still call this being I believe I've, I've been connected to Christ but at the same time it's just all these all these things that I really felt were necessary seem to not just they just don't seem to be as necessary to the point and and to the purpose of what I'm doing here so this is a really long-winded answer to say should we take like seriously it's really yes and no you know it's the one life we got so yes but it's the one life we've got so no, <laughs> I don't know. That's not really much of an answer. I've just been really pondering that myself. So thanks for the question. And I would love to hear what others have to say about that as well, who are in deconstruction. Where are you with that question at your point in your journey? So leave a comment.
Um, I had the question, how did you tell your Christian friends? So that's all it said. That's all the question said. How did you tell your Christian friends? And I think that that's maybe implying that I'm not a Christian. Um, or maybe just implying, how did you tell your friends who will not understand your current experience of Christ? Because if you've, if you've gone kind of back in the archives a little bit, in many ways, I still identify as a Christ follower. I, I still identify as very much how I began this deconstruction journey. Um, and yet, I do have some trouble with the term Christian because I feel like it has really become tied to political stances and to certain assumptions that I don't think are necessarily true of me, for sure, but even of the historical faith. So I have a little bit of funniness with that word Christian. However, I do still consider myself a Christ follower. So telling friends, though, or telling people who I know won't see eye to eye, I've, I've been in an interesting place that I'm much more insulated than many of you, to be honest. And I don't take that for granted um, in the sense that I currently stay at home with my three little ones. Life is crazy and chaotic and busy. Um, but seeing people in person is kind of difficult. And it's, it's insulating in a way that is helpful concerning deconstruction um, because a lot of those places where I would have been forced to have some of these more uncomfortable in-person conversations, I haven't in this season. Now, it does still happen occasionally. I'm thinking of an example recently where I was uh, we were going to host a friend, dear friend, who I met sort of when I was very evangelical and, and just maybe starting to question a little bit some of the uh, doctrines and things I'd been believing wholeheartedly for quite some time up to that point. And this, this individual was really coming from a place of just not caring about really religion, Christianity, that much at all, um, somewhat, but just not super seriously. And we kind of met in the perfect middle. And then in the years that followed, that person became significantly more conservative theologically. And of course, you all know me, um, the heretic. No, but the, I've definitely been exploring in the other direction. And I've definitely felt the tension there. So I didn't know how to talk to this per particular person about it, which is so funny because I come on here and I'm, I have so much to say, but it is different when it is someone that you have a relationship with and when it's someone you're afraid of losing and, and a relationship you're afraid of straining. And I finally ended up sending a message before their visit and I said, you know, I love Christ so much, but I know we have some pretty different ideas of what that looks like right now. Um, I would love to sometime maybe talk about that. I honestly don't know that we have time to talk about that. Like my life is crazy with these kids here and, and the chance of us actually sitting down and talking is minimal. Um, but I, I just want you to know, like, I'm still me and I'm still pursuing the same thing I started pursuing and the same thing that attracted you to Christianity, that thing you saw in me, that thing is still there. And I think that's Christ. But when I start telling you what I think that looks like, you may not recognize it as the Christ 
you thought I was presenting. And I didn't say all of this in the message, um, but definitely left some room for saying, I still think we're on the same team. I'm not sure you will, but I still do. And, you know, that conversation never really came during that trip exactly. There was just a lot going on. But I think finding that common ground is really something that is so important. Um, and it can be a lot harder for someone who is an agnostic or an atheist. Um, and definitely someone who is more bitter at, and bitter warrantedly often, um, more often than not, I would say, towards the religion itself and, and how Christians have treated them. I, you know, I started really deconstructing because of a purely intellectual problem I was having, but it's different and it's more difficult when there's more at stake. And I'm really aware of that. Um, I actually have an episode talking about ways to go into that, to come out about your deconstruction if you want to, ways that might safeguard that. And I, I need to see, I know that's in season two, I believe. I'll need to go back and link that. But those are actually some practical tips on how to do it in a way that is potentially less painful, less awkward, and more controlled, like a more controlled environment, a, a way of setting boundaries for conversation that can be really helpful. So I'll try and link that uh, in the comments when I, when I go back, or in the description, when I go back and find it. How do you deal with thoughts of wanting to come back to Christianity? That's my next question here. And I do also think this may imply that someone thinks I am not a Christian or don't identify as a Christian. And I, again, like the term Christ follower better than Christian, as I've said before, because of some of the political affiliation and, and doctrinal affiliation that I don't particularly have with the faith. But I do really resonate, especially recently, with this aching for simpler times, for simpler faith, for simpler connection to God. Um, it has hit me on runs recently quite a bit. So I'll go running in the evenings often. And I started listening again to some worship music. Um, and of course, I, I mean, I've been a worship leader. I understand that there is, you know, uh, these, these mental phenomenons that happen when we hear certain chords and hear certain words put at certain pitches in the melody and how it, it can arouse emotion in us. So I understand that cognitively. I also do appreciate the fact that often when we are moved by something, there is something true about it. Maybe not the statement itself, maybe not, you know, the underlying principle, but there's something true that resonates with our, with our soul, spirit, what I consider that. And I do think on these runs recently, there's been this craving, this almost like jolting back, right back into the mindset I used to have when I was younger and when everything seemed simpler for a while. Um, and the connection to God seemed, I don't even want to say stronger because I don't feel like that connection is gone, but it seemed louder it seemed easier to access and to hold on to. And, and there's definitely been a craving and definitely been some prayers on that run of like, my God, 
if I'm falling away, don't let me go. Like if that's what this is and if you're real and if you're good, like don't let me go. Don't let me go, please. Like I love you, you know, but at the same time, there's something in my mind that always remembers I am here <laughs> because of chasing truth and because of chasing who I believe Christ to be. And I believe Christ, this is what I think about Christ. For any of you who are like, what is she saying when she says that? I believe Christ is the ultimate reality and is the truth. I mean, we, ha we, we read in the Bible, you know, the word was with God in the beginning. The word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. And everything was created. And it's like this idea of, okay, there's this ultimate reality. There's this ultimate truth. Okay. I'm going to chase that. Now I understand I may have misconceptions about it. And I think that's one of the things recently that's been so interesting because when people say, wow, you've really, you've really come a long way from where you started. I'm like, have I? I mean, I was open to having misconceptions about the truth from the start. I just didn't realize how many I had, but I was open to that. And I, I wanted truth if I could possibly have it, you know? So it's just been an interesting time. So how do I deal with thoughts of wanting to come back to that, that simpler faith, that more certain faith? I grieve, like I grieve it deeply. I've been personally in a season of sorrow, to be honest, these last couple months. And it's tied up in other things beyond just deconstruction. Um, but it is also deconstruction and it is also this changing state of faith. I think it feels a bit like <laughs> the image of a, a kid getting in their car and going to college for the first time. And yeah, there's fun, new, exciting things, but there is this home sickness, this homesickness, but there's also this real sense of, but you've also got to get out of here. Like you are taking the next step that is healthy and that is good for your life. And if you stay too long in the place that you're not meant to stay, granted, it's the place that fostered you. It's the place that has grown you until now. It's the relationship that has been a certain structure that has been really helpful to your life till now. But if you stay there, you will actually be stunted. And so the relationship dynamic changes, you know, in this scenario with parents, it changes with siblings, it changes. And in, the, in my deconstruction scenario with God, it changes, but it's time for the change, but it's homesickness and it's grief and it's hard and it's still hard for me. I think I thought by now I'd be a lot more certain about things and I'm not, but I do know I'm being honest about this. And I am seeking the same Christ that I met when I gave my life. <laughs> I'm seeking that. And it's just, it's so odd that it doesn't look like the very people that fostered me at first want it to look. And there's just that weird tension. But anyway, these are going to be long-winded answers tonight, apparently. I think I keep seeing people join and I'm like, let me just ramble on and on. Why not? Why not? but it's great. Um, how do I respond when believers say it's impossible to have all the answers? 
So I've definitely heard people say things like, why are you deconstructing? Like, why are you doing these deep dives? Like, you need to get on. Like, you, you need to get on with life. You need to have faith. You need to stop maybe causing some of this trouble. You can't have all the answers. <clears throat> and I think my response made this is somewhat of my response. <laughs> you are correct. We cannot have all the answers. But we have become complacent. And we have taken that statement and used it as an excuse to not look for answers that can be had, that can be found, that can be thought through. And that will kill Christianity as a religion if we are not able to start having a more critical look. Because the world, the world is and by the world, I'm using my Christian lingo. The world that does not believe Christianity is true, and, and primarily the naturalistic, secular world of people, they have moved past this. They have stopped having the blind spots we have because they focus more on a critical approach by nature, by nature of their worldview. And that is a good thing thing that is something Christianity has lacked for a long time this ability to really look at things and really prod and not just with the agenda of proving a side you've already decided is correct but to really really prod so to say we can't have all the answers while I do think that is technically true I think that's used as an excuse and it's time to stop using it as an excuse and to start saying what answers can we have and what questions have we stopped asking trying to honor this concept of faith but instead creating an irresponsible faith that's what i think needs to be the more primary focus that is tied to that question um, I had a question about indoctrination and it was, it was a conversation, but the idea was, you know, have I been indoctrinated? How do I feel about indoctrination? How do I want to make sure my kids are not indoctrinated? And this is actually a difficult question because when I looked up right before coming on here, what the actual definition of indoctrination is, the first definition that came up was, from dictionary.com, um, <laughs> you know, when you Google and the first definition that comes up, it was the process of teaching a person or group of people to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. And so that really kind of ties into the last answer I gave about how I think Christianity, especially in America, needs to become more critical in some ways, more critical, excuse me, more critically thinking at least. Um, but I think that people don't think they're indoctrinating their kids usually. You know, maybe cult leaders, maybe certain people are doing this intentionally, but I think most people are saying, I'm trying to give my kids the truth. I'm trying to give them a good foundation. And we see this outside of religion, outside of Christianity. You know, we, we are constantly imposing our worldviews on those that we are responsible to teach 
And it's, it's difficult because I do think that there is a level in which asking all the whys and asking, are there other views of this? It's, it's actually not helpful. So I have toddlers right now and they are developing their critical thinking skills significantly faster (laughs) than is always helpful, (laughs) at least for our family dynamic. And I mean, we work with it, but that's, uh, that's sort of what I mean. There's a time where as much as I hate it, um, there is this essence of which when someone asks why it is because I said so, which did we all say we would never say that. I don't say it very often, but sometimes it's because I said so. And you don't need to ask right now. You need to trust. However, however, I think Christians often, especially evangelicals, get to this point way too fast to say, uh, I'm not going to question it. Uh, it's just, I need to just trust. And the fact is when you get older, when my kids get older, when my kids become adults, I want them to use critical thinking. I want them to ask the hard questions. I want them to even be aware of the hard questions. I want them to look back at the way I raised them and to think through it and to think what was good, what didn't work for their kids, because I know I'm not doing everything right. And so there does come a point where it's got to be more than just have faith, just trust, just go with it. Like God knows, you know, that's, that's so, I feel like dehumanizing and de-godifying. <laughs> if we're made in the image of God, intellect, rationalization, reason, that's curiosity. That's part of that, I think. So I don't know how to not indoctrinate my kids, but I will give an example. I, when I talk about God around my kids, I often try to say, this is what I think. And my son has started to ask me quite a few questions. Like, is God like this? Is God like that? And I'll say, this is what I think. This is what I think. But I also often say, there are people who don't think that. And I could be wrong. And I'm realizing, you know, they're at an age where still what I think is going to take precedence. You know, they're still like, okay, like, that's what my parent thinks. That's what I think. But there is this seed that I think is being planted of critical thinking even now. And that's one way I'm trying to do it. Um, It is tricky. It is tricky parenting and feeling in some ways like I was indoctrinated, certainly not consciously by my parents at all or my community but but feeling like some really uncritical beliefs got put in me that were set in stone and unquestionable and trying to provide the structure for kids while keeping an open palm on some of the stuff it's hard I don't know exactly how you do it well but we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out one day at a time. And I also think it's important that they are around people with different beliefs. And, and I did not always have this opinion. I was starting to get a little bit like, I don't want them necessarily around people who are really going to tell them exactly what God is like, etc. And I've kind of come the other way to where 
I still believe, you know, our family has the greatest influence on them, our immediate family. Um, and it's okay if they're seeing people who are really bold about a position I might not be bold about, um, to a degree, that's okay because we can talk about it and we often do talk about it later. It'll come up in conversation. And I think it's important that people see people being bold in part because that really develops critical thinking to think, wow, that person is so sure, so sure, but my parents aren't on that. What? Like, who's wrong? I guess both sides could be wrong. Sometimes it takes a little more than just confidence and boldness to be, to be right. So that's a hope I have anyway, but I do feel like I'm a little bit just like at the start of this (laughs) parenting thing, really. My oldest is four. And so I don't know. I'm seeking to not indoctrinate them and to teach them. And I think that key piece is the critical thinking. That's the part that has to be in there. And it needs to be in there about other parts of life as well. But so often we don't know until we're on the other side. Like we don't know the blind spots. We don't know the things that we taught as fact that really had more wiggle room than we thought. So we just do our best, you know? We just do our best. And I'm starting to accept that that is enough. That is enough here. That's hard to accept. Even to say that, there's part of me that's like, oof, it's not. But it, but it is. So... Okay, there was a question, one last question that was from earlier, and then I see I do have a couple of you that gave live questions in the comments, yay. But this question I got a while back, and I cannot find it anywhere, so I don't have the exact wording. But someone asked me what I believed the role of the mystic and the role of the theologian or the intellectual was becoming in the church or what it should be. Um, and for those of you who aren't as familiar with the term mystic, cause that can be kind of a weird word. Mystics are often described as, oh, I don't know if that just paused. My phone was telling me it's getting close to death. <laughs> so hopefully I can wrap this up before too long, but mystics are often thought of the people thought of as the people who really experience and embody faith at a very personal level, different than maybe the theologian or the scholar who spends a lot of time with the nuts and bolts, with the uh, small print of the faith in in a sense. And I've been very wary of mystics in the past. I think evangelicals sometimes are um, and sometimes aren't because I do think to some degree the more charismatic voices in Christianity do fall under this. So the idea of mystic being the person who really experiences and embodies and um, is connecting to God directly. That is something I think we are going to see more of as well as the intellectual side, as the as the critical thinking side. I think the divide's going to become bigger and, and not a divide that's necessarily like pitting them against each other. I mean a divide in the sense that right now, I feel like we have a lot of people who don't necessarily experience 
the mystical side or really the intellectual theological side as much. You know, they're kind of in the middle. We do our Sunday thing. We do our Bible reading occasionally. We go to small group. It's going to become, I think, more extreme for a while on both sides. You're going to have the people in deconstruction who say, like, we got to get into this text. Like, we've got to get into this. Like, is this actually what it says? And does it matter what it says? And we, we are going to see more people being rigorous academically. And I also think on the other side, you're going to see people who respond to deconstruction by saying, I don't know what's going on, but I, I got to connect to God. Like, I've got to connect to God. I do believe God is real. I'm going to really press into this. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be like seeking this direct communication. And I don't know what to think of it, to be honest, because on the one hand, you're going to get a lot of different ideas. Um, we already have a lot of different ideas rolling around. Um, so I'm not sure how that's, I'm not sure what that's going to mean for division and conflict between people. Um, but on the other hand, I do celebrate when I see life. And I think that's going to bring a lot of life, seeing people go to these sides and really push, <coughs> push into experience and push into research. And I think that's needed. And it, I constantly think of the Revelation passage about being lukewarm. This is not using that in the correct context at all. But that phrase lukewarm, that Christianese phrase lukewarm comes to mind. We are, we are going to not see lukewarm Christians, the Christians who, who are so culturally involved. I think we're going to see less of them because it's a fact that so many are leaving church. And I think the ones that stay in church and stay in the faith or affiliated with the faith, like me, even on the fringes, you know, it's going to get more serious for those who stay. Because culturally, it's definitely more okay now to not be in church, to not be a Christian. It's easier in many ways too. Um, so I do think that kind of middle, the middle class of the faith in a sense, is that okay to say? I think we're going to see less of that. And I think that's a good thing. But it's going to be turbulent for quite some time, I think. So I'm excited but scared <laughs> to see what happens. Um, but I think it's necessary. Deconstruction is absolutely necessary. This is all really necessary. Okay, I'm going to try and see if I can access these questions. Okay, I'm so here's a couple. Well, here's the first one. When you're in deconstruction, do you hold on to a simple truth while deconstructing or start over? Or can we really start over? Hmm. So when in deconstruction, I think it will be different for every person. Um, for me personally, holding on to a simple truth for me is actually that I would like to get as close to truth as I can. And the truth is... <laughs> I am more aware than ever of my inability to do that. I'm more aware than ever of my biases and my, you know, <laughs> mental struggles even. I, by nature, am a very artistic person, more than scholarly, more than intellectual, which often surprises people because when it comes to theology, I push so into the academic side. And part of that is because I think of a deep fear 
from childhood of getting it wrong and being potentially sent to hell. So I was really trained. I trained myself to really press in to the more rigorous academic side and intellectualizing side in this one topic. But all of that to say, all of that is to say my goal of finding truth has been one simple truth that I've hung on to, in part because I think that's very in line with Christianity. If Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, seeking truth does not contradict that. Like, that's, that's important to actually do if you want to be faithful. Other people I've heard have different simple truths they hold on to. And I can judge, you know, for myself what I think is a more responsible truth to hold on to and a more irresponsible one. Um, But I do think that's something maybe each individual is going to have to look at and have to think about. And it was really interesting. Recently, I did a video, uh, a reel asking, you know, is it is it important if we're going to say we're in deconstruction to say that we're willing to abandon the faith because otherwise are we simply researching? Are we simply investigating the faith? And I, I was expecting more people to say like, yes, that needs to be a key component that you're at least willing to leave, even if you don't expect to. And I had quite a few people disagree. And I thought that was fascinating because the idea is a lot of people don't set out deconstructing with really changing their, their paradigm at all and their truth their concept of truth at all not at the start they just want to kind of investigate one thing and then it kind of pulls these threads and I did think that was a very fair point for people to say like they didn't expect or even they may not have even been willing to abandon the faith at the start and yet they maybe got to a point where they were willing to abandon it even if they didn't um so do you hold on to a simple truth? Do you have to hold on to a simple truth? I kind of think it might be important in order to make forward progress, to have forward movement, to have a goal of either like me trying to seek truth, trying to seek it even if it's not the answer I want. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure what the motivation is always to continue searching. Uh, so yeah, that's how I would answer that. Let me look really fast here. Ooh, someone said responsible truth. What do you mean responsible truth? I may have said responsible truth. I don't remember saying it if I did. I do remember the phrase responsible faith. That's something I have been thinking about quite a bit the past few months. So if that's what you're talking about, And I do apologize if that's not what you're talking about, if I said responsible truth instead. Responsible faith is something I've been really thinking about because I think so often we think faith is something that is is most in its its most um, pure and lovely form when it's unquestioning. And I think faith is in its most pure form <coughs> when it recognizes the time to question and the time to jump and trust because it is not always the time to just jump off a cliff it's not always that time sometimes it's time to build the bridge 
and and to use your god-given in my opinion intellect and resources to understand and to create mental mechanisms to get from point a to point b sometimes that is something that i think is the most god-honoring thing the most faithful thing so when it comes to faith and faith as we see it in America, especially in evangelical America, I think we are not responsible with it. We tell people to trust things that we have not really investigated and things that we haven't necessarily really experienced. And I say we as a collective whole, um, as people belonging to this religion in America. So that's what I mean by that. Man, there's so many of you. I love this. I don't know if you're all still here now. I don't know how this works, but at least you've popped in and I love that. So I'm scrolling back. Oh, a simple truth. When you're a simple truth, I already answered that one, I think. Let's see. Well, I believe that is all for now on that. So I, if you have any more questions, feel free to pop them in the comments here really fast while I'm still on the live. I'm about ready to go in part because my phone is about ready to go to sleep, <laughs> uh, to death. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit about season four and what's coming in between now in season four. Season four is going to be another research season, and that is going to be a lot of work, to be honest. Research seasons take a lot more effort for me than the interviews. Um, granted, that's saying something because I started <laughs> interviewing for season three literally last November. Not November 2023, November 2022. It's, it's really difficult for me to get everything in because of just the nature of where life is right now with my kids and staying home and having part-time work as well um and so there's a part of me that's so excited for season four because i am itching in some ways to get back into the books back into the more intellectual endeavor on the one hand i'm itching for that on the other hand if i'm going to be perfectly honest with you <clears throat> I'm craving rest so, so much, like internal rest so much. And I don't know what that's going to look like for the next few months and especially between season three and season four, but I can feel this real ache for connection to people and a little bit more of a real time connection. So... For season four, we're going to talk about doctrines. We're going to talk about common Christian ideas of what is um, true and what's not. The atonement theory, theories, there's quite a few atonement theories. Why did Jesus die? What did he accomplish, etc.? cetera? Um, what was accomplished by the resurrection, that sort of thing. I think we're going to do an episode on the resurrection, on the supposed supporting evidence which i actually still currently as of now hold to um but we'll see by the end of that episode um homosexuality is a topic i really want to hit in an episode um the idea of salvation the idea of sin and 
just just really taking apart these things, looking at the history, <clears throat> looking at different theories proposed. Jenny White will be back to help me do that. She was here in season two. She'll definitely help with the research. Um, she's great, has her master's from Harvard in museum studies, just wonderful at helping out these seasons. So I'm really excited for that. I don't know exactly when season four will come out. I'm hoping um, spring or summer. <laughs> I'd love spring instead of summer, but we will see. In the meantime, if you are craving more as well, connection and hearing from me, if you'd love to hear me ramble, <laughs> where you can find me rambling often is Patreon. Uh, there's a link in our bio for Patreon and I have been releasing a bonus episode every week. They're short, but it's kind of a check-in. I'm also having more content to release on Patreon in January. I mm, I have so many. I'm excited. Like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a community. Um, coming up January 6th is a video cohort where we will basically do a Zoom meeting and just talk about our deconstruction journeys and really orient around the idea of purpose and how purpose has changed and how <clears throat> our concept of what that needs to look like or what that means is fluctuating um, in deconstruction. It's something that's really been big on my mind personally. So that is January 6th. If you're interested, there's a registration link in my bio. So go to the links and click on that. <coughs> Sorry. Should have brought a water down here. Wow, that was that was uh, gutsy to come down here and do a whole live episode without a water. Anyways, check that out. Check out that registration link if that's something you are interested in, because it's going to be a good time. I'm excited. Um, it'll be really cool to connect with some of you face to face. But stay tuned for what's coming on Patreon and. I hope you will consider supporting the show truly. I I hate asking people to support the show financially, but I'm going to tell you after every single season, there's a discussion in our house of if do I keep this going? Like, can we keep this going? It's tricky. It's tricky with scheduling. Um, it's tricky with childcare. It's tricky with having other part another part-time job too, honestly. And it would be so nice, it would be so nice to be able to have the show bring in enough that I can just focus on the content and focus on bringing guests to you a little bit more in real time instead of recording them like a year out and and being able to sit down and do this research. So if that is anything you would consider, um, if you would consider joining Patreon on a monthly basis or a one-time donation, like it, it actually really does mean a lot and helps the show. And helps it continue to exist so do consider it um but also just thanks for being here thanks for commenting thanks for the messages you you send the thoughts you present it's super fulfilling for me to be here with you all and i'm really grateful so i'm gonna call it a night i'm hoping to post the audio of this soon on all the usual platforms but for now i just Thank you guys for coming along with me on the journey. Thanks for being here for season three. And I cannot wait to catch you again for season four. And hopefully, in the in-between, maybe we can be in touch as well.
If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.